Let's get together around God's Word today and we've been looking in the book of Luke um, chapter 5 and we came across a passage on Jesus speaking to the Pharisees and John's disciples about fasting and how not to do it and so I felt led by the Lord to just stop for one week and to look at this topic of fasting, Christian fasting, what is it about? The world says one thing, the media says another thing, and Christianity seems to say a third thing. So what is it? We need to get this clear in our minds. And as we do so, let's just come before the Lord. Let's ask Him to tell us from His Word so that we can live in truth before Him. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You that we can get together this morning. And Lord, we've remembered those who are being persecuted for their faith. But Lord, help us to live lives before you that are true to your word. Lord, as we open your word this morning, may it be your word speaking to us as your spirit does his work. And so, Lord, I pray, give us open hearts, take away our preconceived ideas and fill our minds with your word so that that may become the basis of the truth that is in us. So, Lord, I pray, give us soft hearts and speak your word directly into our hearts so that we can be believers who love you, believers who serve you, and believers who hold fast to this word which you've given to us. In your name we ask. Amen. I'd ask you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. So, we're not in the book of Luke this morning, but we're in the book of Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to be reading together the first 18 verses and then looking at one section of these verses. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise... You have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, so that they may be honoured by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving will be in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners, so that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition, as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. So do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Isn't that encouraging? Pray then in this way, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we also have already forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. And now today's passage. And whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. The dictionary definition of a fast is this. The suspension of normal habits, including access to the media and eating habits, interesting, especially for religious purposes. So is that the definition of fasting, Christian fasting? You know, something, there's something about the topic of Christian fasting that makes people defensive. I don't know if you found that. We're going to speak about fasting. Hmm, what's he going to say? When someone starts to talk about it, you can never be quite sure where they're going to go or what burden they're going to try and lay on your conscience. So I want to assure you this morning you can relax. I'm not going to burden your conscience. If the Holy Spirit does what he does, that's up to him, not me. You see, fasting, and I'll expand on this thought, so don't give up on me. Fasting is not commanded in the New Testament. Now, that might shock some, but it's not. Rather, fasting is there as a means given to us to help us when we need it. And I'll expand on that thought. However, it's more important to know why biblical saints fasted in the Old and the New Testament than Just fasting for the mechanical sake of fasting, skipping a meal, skipping a few programs, maybe a few texts or meals so that you can say you've fasted. It's more important to know why the saints fasted in the Bible than actually going through the fasting process. Because when you understand the biblical principles behind fasting, you'll have a better idea of how to respond. Here's the key. How to respond to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your circumstances. And so I want to build on this premise that fasting is a response to what the Holy Spirit is already doing inside of you. And it comes out in the form of fasting. It is not something that I do from the outside to do something for me. I'll expand. So how does biblical fasting differ from, let's say, health fasting? How does biblical fasting differ from the Baha'i faith's practice of fasting as a discipline for the soul? How do we differ from the Baha'i faith in this aspect? How do we differ from Ramadan, from the Muslim fast of not eating? Or even the internet combination fast. I'll tell you what it's called. There's there's quite a few, by the way. This one is called the informed clients of faith fasting. 
Now, the word client should be a bit of a giveaway. So, how does Christian fasting compare to all these things? Is it just the Christian way of doing it? Let's go back to the Old Testament and I ask you to turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Exodus, Leviticus. So, we're going way back in the Old Testament. And this is where fasting originated in the Old Testament form. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 to 31. Leviticus chapter 16, verses 29 to 31. So, verse 29, what does it say? This shall be a permanent statute for you in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month. You shall humble your souls and not do any work. Now, that word humble your souls is the key there. You shall humble your souls and not do any work, whether the native or the alien who sojourns among you. For it is on this day that atonement shall be made for you to cleanse you. You will be clean from all your sins before the Lord. It is to be a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, that you may humble your souls. It is a permanent statute. Now, that's quite something to think about. So, there, on the Day of Atonement, they were told... And if you read further and around that passage, they were told that on that day they are to publicly fast before the Lord. And they had to get into sackcloth, get rid of their robes and finery, into their sackcloth. They had to burn ashes, put ashes on their heads and their faces, and they had to come and repent before the Lord. They had to, they had to come with broken souls before the Lord. That was what fasting was on the Day of Atonement. And that was the only time... In the Old Testament, where there was a commanded fast, it was on the Day of Atonement. All the other fasting that happens was all voluntary fasting before the Lord. Now, we're no longer in the Old Testament, and since the command to fast was directed straight to the nation of Israel during that time, and since the Day of Atonement was fulfilled in Christ in the New Testament, and is therefore nullified for believers today, and you, you can only read Hebrews chapter 9, verses um, 11 to chapter 10, verse 18, and I haven't got time to go into that now, but Jesus is there described as the once for all atonement. And so that statute still stands, but it stands in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why I said last time we were together, that in Jesus Christ, because of what he's done, we no longer have to fast in the atonement sense of that word. But there is voluntary fasting that is available to us, and we're going to see why. You see, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament saints fasted, and I'm going to give you three examples this morning of people who fasted. Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 to 18, we find King David. He committed his sin with Bathsheba, and as a result, God struck down the baby. And so David, we find David in these verses fasting and weeping because his child is dying. There's one instance of fasting. Esther, in Esther chapter 4, verses 3 and 16, 
we see that the Jews are under threat because of the works of Naaman, of, sorry, of Haman. The whole Jewish nation is in danger of being exterminated. And so Esther calls her nation to fast before the Lord. She calls them to come with broken hearts before the Lord. In Jonah chapter 3, verses 6 to 10, we have the city of Nineveh. Jonah had come against them with a pronouncement of judgment on the city from the Lord. And so the city is called by their ruler to fast before the Lord in sackcloth and ashes and to be broken before the Lord so that the Lord might show mercy. Do you see the common theme running through the fasting? It's a brokenness before the Lord. People are faced with extreme circumstances of impending death or God's judgment coming down on them. And so they are greatly distressed in their souls and they are conscious of their own helplessness before the Lord. And they, so they suspend their normal habits, including eating habits, in an urgent and conscious and extraordinary seeking of God as the only means to deliver them. So here's the key of Old Testament fasting, which follows through to the New Testament. Fasting flowed naturally from a great spiritual urgency. It was already in them. And so they put things aside to spend time before the Lord in prayer and fasting so that God would answer prayer. You see, it's no routine ritual, but it's rather expressing a deep dependence on God. Do you see where we're going to? I want to take you to another Old Testament book. You thought this was about New Testament today. Well, no, Old Testament, Joel. See if you can find that one. Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. Look with me in this book. Joel, chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. This is what the Lord says about fasting. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me, with all your heart, and with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. I love that phrase. Let your hearts be torn before me, not your clothes. Rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God. Why? For he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. You see, what is God saying here? Don Green, in his excellent little blog called, now I've forgotten what the blog's called, The Heart of Christian Fasting, speaks about this chapter, Joel chapter 2. And he says, what is God saying here? He's saying, fasting was an outward expression of the inward reality of a shattered heart. You see, fasting was the reality, an outward expression of an inward reality of a shattered heart. A heart is shattered, it expresses itself outwardly in fasting. There's not enough said about this topic in our Christian churches anymore today. Even though it's not commanded, it is still there for us, you see. And so someone who casually pursues fasting as a religious duty or to raise funds for a cause without a broken heart, without an awareness of sin, without an awareness of judgment or of repentance or of a helplessness without God or of a dependence on God, they mock the reason for its existence. You see, 
God says, in your fasting, in your distress, turn to me. So fasting and distress always go together. It's not about fundraising. If it can be done with that, I don't believe it can. But Let's look at fasting in the New Testament. And I'd ask you to turn to our passage for this morning, Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 to 18, which we read through. Now, put a frame around that this morning, and the frame around that this morning is this. Christ is our once-for-all atonement. He has paid the price so that we can be free. We do not any longer have to fast or come to him in sackcloth and ashes so that we will be saved. Alright? Doesn't need to happen anymore. Christ has done it once for all. However, far from banning or far from commanding fasting in the Bible... Jesus assumes his disciples will be doing it. You see, look at the words carefully in verse 17. Look at those first few words. But when you fast. Not if you fast, but when you fast. There it is. Christ assumes we will be doing this like we pray, like we give to the poor. We will also fast. It's kind of died away today, hasn't it? He says, Why would you not use means given to you to keep you in a close relationship to me? When you fast, he assumes we do this voluntarily. You see, Jesus' teaching on fasting is primarily to warn his disciples against the sin of hypocrisy. And here in this passage, the reason it's here is to warn us, to say, when you do fast, alright, I take that, that you will, but when you do fast, don't do it the wrong way as the Pharisees are doing. And then he spells out what it is. You see, Jesus takes three good practices as an example. He takes giving, praying, and fasting, which are good practices in themselves, and he says, don't do it in a wrong way. So what is the wrong way? Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 2. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet. Okay, it's my trumpet. Don't sound your trumpet so that people will hear And pay attention that that person is now giving to the poor, as the Pharisees did. Don't do as the hypocrites did in the synagogues, on the street corners, making a whole big attention exercise to themselves. Don't do it like that, says the Lord. When you pray, Matthew 6, 5, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for what do they do? They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. You know, if they were praying booths, where they could go quietly and sit there with no one to see them praying, I bet you that Pharisees wouldn't have prayed. But it's because they were seen. It's because they stood on the street corners and had people ringing bells to say, this person is now going to pray, pay attention, and then they would pray loudly with sad faces. Don't pray like that, says Jesus. Whenever you fast, and that's just the third example, Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. And I've lost it now. 16. Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. Why? For they neglect their appearance so that men will be, so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they already have their reward. So that's the wrong way to do praying, giving, and fasting. Right? Those are good things, but there's a right way to do it. What is the right way? And now we go to chapter six, verse three to four. So when you give, what? How are we to give? When you give to the poor. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You see, Jesus is going to the extremes. I mean, 
my hands don't know what they well, they should know what I'm doing through my brain, but he's saying, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Do it in secret when you give. Don't let people see that you're giving. Verse 6, when you pray, how should we pray? Go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is with you there in secret. And pray. And by the way, He already knows what's in your heart. So why stand on the street corner and make a show? That's just for men, you see. When you pray, do it in secret. The same example carries through to fasting. And when you fast, verses 17 to 18, anoint your head, wash your face. In other words, look your normal self so that people can't see what you're doing. Because if you put on a show, it's not for God, it is for people. And that's just pride. You see what the Lord is pointing at? His point is, go out of your way to conceal these acts of righteousness from the eyes of men. Why? Because people can't praise you for what they haven't seen. And how we love the praise of people. You nearly can't help yourself. We love the praises of people. But you see, what God wants to see is He wants to see in us true humility. He wants to see in us a shattered heart that is seeking Him and Him alone, no people. It is seeking the Lord. And when He sees a shattered heart that is looking for Him, when He sees an undivided heart, not divided with you there at the front as well, then He rewards giving he rewards praying and he rewards fasting. And he's promised that in Scripture. You get the difference? Old Testament, New Testament? You see, the Pharisees had turned this principle on their head. They were fasting from food and yet they were feeding their own pride. They were fasting from food, but they were feeding their pride. And their pride was growing bigger and bigger and bigger in them. But don't point the finger too far. I know my own heart. And now I'm sorry to disappoint you this morning. The New Testament leaves no other details on fasting. I'm sorry. If you were coming here with your pen poised, ready to write down, the pastor says, this is a true Christian fast. I'm sorry you're going away and you haven't got anything there. The New Testament doesn't tell us anything more about fasting. It leaves it to the discretion of the believer. There are no rules on what to eat and drink. There's no rules on what not to eat or drink. There's no rules on how often to fast. There's no fasting recipes. I'm sorry, it doesn't matter what the internet says. There's no fasting recipes. Fasting is between you and God. Why? Because God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at what food you're eating. He doesn't look at which recipe you use or which internet site you use, which is holier than other ones. He's not looking at food. Food is not the issue, you see. It is about what happens between you and God. But, let me add this. If food comes between you and God, if the media comes between you and God, and you can't rid yourself of this little device that you carry around that keeps going off and getting your attention, the media, if you can't do without the television in your house, then maybe it is time to have a brokenness in heart before the Lord to switch off those things, to put your cell phone aside for a while, to put a few meals aside and to spend that time specifically with the Lord. You see, come with a brokenness of soul before the Lord, not with your gadgets. Put them aside. If that is what is coming between you 
and the Lord. That is the true nature of a fast, of a Christian fast. However, there is one ingredient that always seems to go with fasting. And so if you're writing down, you can write this ingredient down. Here it is, prayer and fasting. Prayer always seems to go with fasting wherever we see it in the Bible. Even in the Old Testament, prayer, fasting. Fasting, prayer. In the book of Acts, where Paul and Barnabas were set aside for their mission work, take note when the Lord acted. It was when the church ministered to the Lord and fasted. That ministered to the Lord is to come in brokenness before Him and to pray. When they came before the Lord, they ministered before the Lord and fasted, then the Holy Spirit spoke and there was interaction between God and man. Then it was when they fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and then sent them out. You see, prayer, fasting always go together. So, in the fasting that you've been pulled in to do, whether it's for commercial purposes or not, let me put that bit on your conscience, has prayer always gone with your fasting? Has a brokenness of soul gone with your fasting? If not, get it away out of your life. It doesn't matter what cause it is. It's got nothing to do with money. And as soon as it does, beware. Prayer with fasting. Humility of heart with fasting before the Lord. Are you dependent on the Lord? Is the Lord already doing something in your heart which shows itself in a set-aside time with the Lord called fasting? That's all I've got for you on fasting. I'm sorry. Nothing else. The Bible is silent. I have to be silent. And so, this morning I want to ask you a few questions or put four statements before you as the so what application. So what? We've heard this now. If I don't have to fast, why should I? I want to put this for you. Is fasting for you? Take these statements prayerfully before the Lord. The need to fast will be born in the need of your soul. Do you have a need in your soul of God? Do you turn to God in your trials? Do you turn to God or do you surrender to fear and grumbling when trials hit you? Do you repent of sin in your life or do you tolerate it in your life? Are you confident in your own strength or do you see the utter need for the grace of God? Do you see the utter need for the grace of God or can you help yourself? You see, fasting is all about your internal reality, your sanctification process before the Lord. Where are you in your spiritual walk before the Lord? Do you still need Him in your Christian life? Because if you do, you might need fasting as a tool to help you. Are you broken about sin? Well, fasting will give you the opportunity to spend set-aside time with God. Make use of this means. No, it's not commanded, but it's nearly necessary, isn't it, in us? Secondly, God calls us to a secret approach to fasting, one that avoids the praise of men. And so that means, and here I'm being real, realistic to myself too, that means you mustn't listen to those subtle little inner impulses to drop those subtle words about what you're going to be doing. We all do it. 
So we're to be secret before men, but have open hearts before God. You see the difference? Thirdly, fasting is just another way God has given to us as a way of checking our attitudes before Him. You see, God wants us to have an attitude of prayerful dependency on Him that leads to a, here it is, a response of obedience in our lives to Him. So, when we come out of a period of fasting, it is to result in greater obedience before the Lord. That's what it should do. It shouldn't result in a greater bank balance for a certain organization. That's not what it's about, you see. And yes, we should have on our hearts those who have less than us. And yes, we should have in our hearts an attitude of concern for people who are being persecuted. Children all over the world who need help. Yes, we must have that attitude. But it must be a heart attitude of brokenness before God about it already. And then, yes, fast. And give. But is that brokenness there? Does it lead to obedience in your life? You see, if fasting helps you to seek God's face so that you can be obedient to Him, then I'll tell you this morning, fast. But if it doesn't, if it leads you to an attitude of pride or religious ritual, I'm fasting, then don't fast. And then lastly, a fast that pleases the Lord results in practical obedience, not just head-nodding obedience. Practical obedience. How do I know that? Scripture tells me. Isaiah, Old Testament. We're ending on this passage this morning. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 to 9. Listen to these beautiful words. If you want to turn there, I'd urge you to do that. Isaiah chapter 58. Verses 6 to 9. This is what God says about fasting. And these principles still remain true to us because they are based on God Himself and His nature. And what do we know about God and His nature? They do not change. God remains forever the same. And so how He feels about this remains the same. What does God say about fasting? Here are God's own words. Isaiah 58, 6 to 9. Is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh, in other words, mankind. Then, if you do this, then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your light. What does he mean by that? Your light from that darkness that you've been in, that sorrow, that brokenness. Light will break forth for you. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. That own need you have in your heart for God and that dependency on God. Well, your healing, whatever you ask the Lord, will bring forth, will be brought forth speedily in you. And your righteousness shall go before you. Your outward witness to the nations will be there. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You see, if we do what God wants, He is there to protect us. He is there to inspire us. He is there to bless what we do before Him. If it's done His way. 
Verse 9. I love this verse. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You want your prayers answered before the Lord? Make sure the attitude of your heart is right first. Yes, even in fasting. And you shall cry and he will say, here I am. Do you want to have your prayers answered? Do you want to have God say to you, my child, here I am. Then come with a broken heart before him. Don't come in your own independence before the Lord. Come with a broken heart. And if you need to, fast so that you can come before the Lord. Set that time before Him and He will heal you. These are the healing words from Almighty God Himself. And so I really seriously ask you this morning, when you come to this topic of fasting, don't be led aside by all kinds of things that are out there on the media. But think, what does God say I must do? What is God's way to glorify Him? Fasting is one of those ways. Then do it His way. And may God be glorified. May you be a witness to the nations as you live out that obedience in practice to Him. As you feed the poor. As you support causes that send money to children who need it. Do it with the right heart attitude and then God will bless you. And He will bless them too. Let's pray. Lord, our Heavenly Father, thank You that Your Word is practical on these issues in Your Word which You put before us so that we can live lives that are right before You. And Lord, in this topic of fasting this morning, we pray that You would give us right hearts before You, that You would put pride very far away from our hearts and that we, You would help us to deal with pride that rears its ugly head in us so often that we would push it aside do your work your way, that we would glorify you in your way. And so, Lord, when we put aside meals, when we put aside the media around us, and when we spend time before you, may it be because your Spirit has already shown us that we need you in our lives. We cannot live our lives without the Lord Jesus Christ. We cannot live our lives without the work of the Holy Spirit and the power and the fire that the Holy Spirit has to put into our hearts. We cannot do it without you, Lord. And then you will bless us. Then you will hear our prayers. Then you will say to us, Here I am. I am answering your prayers. Lord, keep us humble before you. We are mortals. You are almighty God. Amen.